2: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli podcast.
0: While well, the jobs report stinks. Biden's economy stinks. Didn't take any questions today, came out again, read something on Teleprompter, turned us back to America. And that's what happened. There you go. Hey, America, look at my back. You like my back, huh? Yeah, you do. You look at this back. This is a back from Claymont, Delaware, or Scranton, or wherever I decide to be based on any given day. That's really it. All right, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, man, I'll tell you, what a day. It's very busy, actually, and there's a lot to cover, including a massive retraction by the New York Times. Uh, but Biden, his economy, this is bad. I mean, this is bad news for the economy today. This jobs report, as I will explain in some detail, is terrible. Um, but first, why don't we begin with a with a story, shall we? A little bit of story time from Biden. Why don't we do that? Just do a little story time. I think it sounds good, right? We all could use a story. It's Friday afternoon. Here we go.
3: I got to tell you a quick story. Oh, boy. When I was running for office, and I'm going to- Do you think
0: that everybody who works for him, just the minute he says that, I got to tell you a quick story, they just all do the same thing. They go, oh, no, 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 please, no, 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 don't say it, don't do it, don't say it, no stories, no stories, don't do stories. Oh, man.
3: I got to tell you a quick story. When I was running for office, and I'm I'm embarrassed, I can't remember exactly which state I was in. But a gentleman, and uh, uh, I think it was his wife, and a little girl said, could I, said, could I talk to you? And she had this, uh, I couldn't I, say, I understand can't. what she had in her hand, it looked like a teddy bear.
0: I can't, I can't even, it's too painful, I can't, I don't even remember what state I was in. We know what state you're in, Mr. President, it's not a good state. It really isn't. This is, this is just, just sad, sad to watch here. Uh, Snarks was just asked a short time ago about the president's terrible poll numbers. And, of course, they're making it about uh, people who don't get vaccinated. It's your fault that Joe Biden's economy stinks. I don't know if you knew this or not. If you're not vaccinated, it's your fault. It's amazing. Very tough approval ratings these days. I know people already like to talk about polls, and you might say that they don't mean anything,
2: but um, it's also fair to say the White House, when there are good polls, you, you publicize them. So what do you make of these really terrible polls? Uh, are they that he's doing something wrong? Is it just the communication? Or is it he's doing unpopular things that have to be done?
3: Or something else. Sure.
4: Well, look, I would say that this is a really tough time in our country. We're still battling COVID uh, and a lot of people thought we'd be through it, uh, including us. Uh, And we because of the rise of the Delta variant, uh, because of the fact that uh, even though it was a vaccine that was approved under a Republican administration, uh, even though uh, we now have full FDA approval and even though it's widely available across the country, we still have a quarter of the country who have uh, less than that, uh, 20 percent of the country who've decided not to get vaccinated. No question that's having an impact. Uh, And of course, as the president has said, the buck stops with him.
0: So. The economy stinks because people won't get vaccinated. You understand? You got that? Even though a guy on CNN today, Matt Egrin, said this is the worst, actually the worst jobs gain, the worst jobs gain of the entire year. That's how bad the job gains were today. But, of course, for Biden, we're just going to blame it on climate change or uh, COVID or something else. Never, never their fault. No, it's not the fact that people don't want to go back to work because they're still getting benefits, right? It's not that. Definitely not that, right, snarks? I mean, come on. It wouldn't be that now, would it? Please, this is, this, it's bad for Biden. It really is. But they wanted to ask him questions today. So he came out and he spoke and he took a victory lap in the economy, even though there's nothing to take a victory lap for. And then it was the first back again, America's back.
3: Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: that's it. That's all there is. There's no, no, that's not like an encore. He doesn't come back to do another set. It's, it's over. Worst jobs report of his presidency. Wow. Amazing. Amazing.
3: Let's be clear. When you see headlines and reports of mass firings and hundreds of people losing their jobs, look at the bigger story.
0: Yeah, look at the bigger story, right? I mean, what is the bigger story anyway? Haas Cartwright was a bad dude. That's the bigger story, I guess. So Biden comes out and tries to take credit for this terrible economy, really bad economy today, without taking any questions. But he just says, ah, it's just a thing like bounces around like a ball around the room. It just bounces. It bounces, it, you know, up and down. And hey, hey, this way, that way, it bounces. But
3: payoffs and job reductions was the lowest in this country since 1997. Overall, the unemployment report shows almost 200,000 jobs were created last month. Over 300,000 in the private sector and 26,000 in manufacturing, offset by some seasonal adjustments in education, hiring. The monthly totals bounce around, but if you take a look at the trend, it's solid. On average, 600,000 new jobs created every month since I took office. And in three months before I got there, that was one-tenth what was being created.
0: You see, now, that, then then it's the blame Trump part of the story. Uh, his numbers are off, by the way. I know this will shock you, but his numbers are off. It's not good. The idea that it bounces around the room, just bounce, bounce, bounce like a ball, bounce, bounce. Reality check, over 180,000 workers left the workforce in September. People are leaving because they're getting benefits. And they're leaving. It's, it's obvious. People cannot find enough people to work. We've got 60,000 trucker jobs that are open right now. And it's the reason why all those... Those ships are sitting outside the ports with containers on them with toys and goodies and and all kinds of things on them because they can't, when they unload them at the ports, or so they don't have enough people to unload them at the ports, and then they don't have enough people to drive trucks and deliver the stuff. So they're all sitting there right now, sitting there. And this is what's happening, and this is why this economy is so bad. To understand why the economy is as bad as it is, you have to understand what the Democrats' goal is here, which is to make everybody dependent upon government. Everybody. And if you're dependent on government, you're not dependent on your employer. If you're dependent on government for healthcare, you're not dependent on your employer. If you can can get a government check, you don't have to be dependent on your employer either. The way to smash capitalism, the way to destroy it, is to have the government take care of everybody so there's no incentive to work. And I know people think it's crazy that they come up with an idea that there might be a point where there's a disincentive to work, but it's actually true there is a point where you reach a disincentive to work. In fact, there was a big study that came out recently and it looked at the impact of child tax credits on the uh, disincentive to work because it phases out after a period of time, after a period of income. So actually when you do the numbers, there is a point where you go, well, I if I make more money, I'm actually going to lose. I'm actually going to lose more money by making more money. And I know that that sounds crazy, but unless you can jump up to the very, very high categories of income, there are people making those choices. They go, well, you know, if I, if I go up a little bit more here, I'm going to lose those credits, and then my tax rate is going to go up as well. So that's going to be a real big hit. So maybe we just stay where we are. They've made it so that they're, they're taking away incentive in the private sector, and they're also taking away any reason to work. Because it used to be that if you didn't go find a job, you'd lose your unemployment benefits, but that's gone now. That's gone. That used to be the way it was. You know, if Haas Cartwright didn't find a job, then his dad was going to yank the chain on him and do, do whatever he was going to do to old Haas over there. But whose fault is this dismal jobs report anyway? Whose fault is it? It's-
3: and it's a tribute to the hard work and resilience of the American people who are battling through this pandemic, working to keep their businesses afloat. Remember, today's report is based on a survey that was taken during the week of September the 13th. Not, not, not today, September the 13th when COVID cases were averaging more than 150,000 per day. Since then, we've seen the daily cases fall by more than one-third, and they're continuing to trend down. We're continuing to make progress.
0: See? It's COVID. COVID's the reason why. Because COVID. The jobs report stinks because COVID. No, it stinks because people don't have to go back to work right now. That's, that's, That's the reality here. That's the truth. And if you want to take a look at the situation and what Democrats are looking at right now and why it's so bad for them, I will bring you a representative, Mikey Sherrill, from North Jersey. She's in a district that was a Republican district forever uh, by the uh, Rodney Frelinghuysen. He had that district for a long time. Rodney's a real, real nice guy, and he's enjoying his retirement now. But Mikey Sherrill is a Democrat she's in a district that could easily, especially with redistricting, become a Republican district again. So as you know, every 10 years after the census, they redistrict all the congressional districts according to the Constitution. They apportion the number of House seats based on the population. It's a fixed number. It doesn't change, 435. New Jersey's not losing one this year, but they have to redistrict and they're going to move things around so that everybody gets the same amount of representation. And you do that by having a bipartisan redistricting commission. It's made up of an equal amount of Democrats and Republicans, and they have to work on this. And then it gets approved by a judge who signs off on it. Usually it's a member of the state Supreme Court who signs off on it. And ultimately, it, that, that is the redistricting commission's plan. And, and there's policies and procedures and everybody gets along. And, you know, it's a nice show of, uh, of bipartisanship because the goal of both sides is to protect their turf. And if there's somebody they don't like, it's an easy way to get rid of them by just adding a town here, taking away a town there. You know what I mean? If you're suddenly a Democrat in a in a district that's very competitive for Republicans and they take away one of the bluer towns in your district and they give you another red town or they just take it away in general because you've you just population numbers don't justify having it. You got a problem. You got a problem because now you're a Democrat running in a solidly red district. Versus a purple district 10 minutes ago. That's why this matters. So, Mikey Sherrill's vulnerable. She's very vulnerable. And this is what she said after the jobs report came out.
2: Needs. You know, you were talking about the jobs numbers. Something that no one seems to be talking about, and I didn't hear it from your panel, is how bad those jobs numbers were for women. Yeah. We have seen again and again and again how bad our jobs numbers are for women. And I have heard the same thing that your panelists kind of alluded to from people in my district, employers who can't find employees. Oh, people are being paid to stay home. And I said, Well, that ends, right? That ended in September. But let's see. Because I have to tell you, I'm a mom of four kids, and the the childcare hits that families are facing across this nation are gonna make it hard for working parents to get back to work. And you know, we saw that in the the bad April jobs numbers where women didn't talk about the jobs numbers. Sorry. In these last jobs numbers, women actually lost 26,000 jobs in the market.
0: We're estimating We lost 26,000 jobs in the market. That's pretty bad. Pretty bad if you ask me. She's nervous because she knows that she could lose. You see, American people don't like this. They don't like the, the, this weakness that we're seeing everywhere. And and even a CNN panel was shocked by how bad these jobs reports were. I mean, really, this is this is I love this too. CNN panel. You know that CNN, they were just not ready for this. Nobody told them what the reaction was supposed to be.
1: Things are coming down pretty rapidly. We just have this wow. jobs report. Steve, what do you see?
3: 194. Whoa, I see 194,000. That is real low.
0: Wow. Yeah, it is. It is really low. You're right. This economy stinks. Biden stinks. You know what a lot of it is, too, is a lot of companies are so desperate for workers, but a lot of them are maybe even waiting right now to hire higher paid workers because they don't know what it's going to be like for them for the corporate tax rate when they get hammered with that. They don't know. And that may be an area of concern. And she says we stop paying people to sit at home in September. I don't believe that that's accurate. I don't believe that. But the week September jobs report misses missed the prediction by 60%. 60% was the pre- projection. Missed it by 60%, in the smallest gain this year. U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported today the American economy added a week, 194,000 jobs in September. The unemployment rate fell by 0.4 percentage points to 4.8%. Missed a predicted 500,000 new payrolls by 60%. How about that? That's bad. Economists have predicted half a million new jobs and a 5.1% unemployment rate, a forecast that was partially missed and partially met for September. But the lower unemployment rate isn't necessarily a good metric to beat when paired with weak job growth. As economist Steve Moore explained on Fox Business Friday morning, September's 4.8% unemployment rate is not a good number to see, when fewer than 200,000 new payrolls were added because that shows people are leaving the labor market and no longer looking for work. Exactly right. And why aren't they looking for work? Because of handouts. And this is the Democrats' goal, of course, which is to make the entitlement state real. Bernie was asked about it, and he said, you know, Bernie, what do you think about Senator Manchin saying that we're creating too much of an entitlement state? And he goes, what, 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 what? He didn't want to even touch it. But that's the truth. That's the truth. And But at the same time, though, you have to know Democrats are savaging each other. Uh, Chuck Schumer took to the floor last night and savaged Joe Manchin as Joe Manchin was sitting right next to him. And then... Joe Manchin came out today and he said, civility is gone. Mm -hmm. He said, I just think that basically what we got to do is find the pathway forward to make sure that we de-weaponize. We have to de-weaponize. You can't be playing politics. None of us can on both sides, okay? And both sides have been very guilty on this. Man, I love it. I love when Democrats attack each other. Isn't it fun to watch? I mean, I'm enjoying it anyway. For me, it is. So this is where we are right now. And uh, it's so bad, Biden's poll numbers are down to 38%. 38%. And that's uh, such a bad number for them when you think about, as well, the number of people that would want to be on the president's coattails running for re-election. Terry McAuliffe, for example, who is running for governor of Virginia, he was asked, you know, was asked this question the other day, and and he said, because off the record, he said, yeah, you know, Biden is not popular. Uh, The president's not popular. So today... Jen Psaki was asked about that, and she was also asked about Biden's terrible poll numbers, why it's so bad, why why it is that the guy running for governor of Virginia does not want to campaign with Joe Biden. She was asked about a lot of things today, and this is what she said about what Terry McAuliffe said.
2: Thank you. The Democratic candidate for governor in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, who President Biden stumped for over the summer now, says the president is unpopular today, unfortunately, here in Virginia, so we've got to plow through. Why do you think the president is unpopular in Virginia?
4: Well, just if you look at facts and the polling, the president is the most popular figure in Virginia of anyone currently running for president or any former recent president. So I just note that in terms of the data. But I would say that the president's agenda is incredibly popular. That's probably the reason why former Governor uh, McAuliffe is also running on that agenda.
0: Oh, is he, though, Jen? Is he really? And she was asked about the September jobs report. And, uh, you know, listen, it's all chipper over there at the White House. I'm just
2: going to kind of big picture here. Um, today we saw another jobs report that fell well below expectations. The smallest jobs gains in nearly a year. Gas prices are at a seven-year high. Inflation is up. Uh, the president is struggling to get the rest of his uh, Build Back Better agenda passed through Congress. How do you assess where things stand right now with regards to, uh, to his presidency? And, and do you see a need at this point to course correct?
4: We certainly don't see things as darkly as you do. Um, Look, the president's focus is on uh, leading through a challenging time, and that has been his focus from the first day he took office. Uh, If you look at the data month over month, as I noted a few minutes ago, he has also created five million jobs under his presidency. We've created an average of 500,000 jobs a month. We are at a faster rate of economic growth, a lower rate of unemployment than in quite some time. That's progress. That's moving exactly in the right direction. And as it as it relates to the like president's that? agenda, uh, we're continuing to press forward uh, with uh, members of Congress who have a broad range of views about the path forward. But we're making progress. The president remains confident we're going to get it done. Uh, and this is what governing looks like. Do you not see today's
2: jobs report as a warning sign in any
4: way that perhaps the economy is not headed in the right direction, that perhaps the recovery is not going at the pace that it should be? I don't believe that's what economists are projecting. Projecting at this point in time
0: they projected five hundred thousand new jobs jen and that that fell well below those expectations well below those expectations and i mean do you feel in your life like the economy is going great D- do you think so how about the gas prices i see everywhere i look now the gas prices are soaring and you know why it's because biden's waging a war on energy saki was asked about that today too Biden administration now, we've cut off the Keystone XL pipeline, cut off drilling and Now we used to be, we went from being the world's largest exporter of oil to now our old buddy Putin, this guy's making a killing over there because of our incompetence. He's happy to sell to our our, our friends and neighbors. Oh, believe me, Vlad will step in and fill the void. There's no doubt. He would be happy to. Uh, Thank you. And then just uh, one quick question on on gas prices. Um, Reuters has uh, some reporting that shows
2: uh, a lot of American uh, consumers we're talking to have started to link the rise in gas prices to the administration's policies uh, that ban uh, fossil fuels uh, for example a pause on federal leasing on land and water um, and so my question is why people live on production uh, at home uh, with American companies and instead ask OPEC for more production where that production is perhaps not as environmentally regulated um, is there any consideration perhaps being
4: given uh, to uh, to this um, you know keeping in mind uh, rising gas prices well we are in touch we are not a member of OPEC, as you all know. Uh, We are in regular touch with OPEC, and we have also raised um, issues of supply uh, in meetings that members of our national security team and others have had in recent weeks, as I have confirmed from here. Uh, We, of course, want to address uh, the short-term supply issues. One of those issues, as we know, uh, was uh, related to Hurricane Ida and the impacts in the region, which we took steps to address.
0: Let me stop it right now. Mm. This reporter is asking a very good question, actually, about Biden cutting off the exploration of oil and other fossil fuels. And Jen is completely dodging it. She's like, Oh, no, we got, we're calling OPEC. Hang on, let me shoot a text. Hey, OPEC, can you release more oil? XOXO Jen. And then she goes, Oh, and then also the Ida, and then the ship got stuck in the canal. And you go, Wait, what are you talking about? What? Is, with, like yeah, the ship got caught and then it was stuck, remember? And they had to get people and they had to put a little put a little soap on it, get a little they turn it. Cause that's what you do. If your kids get stuck in something, you'll soap, get it a little lubricated, and then go, boop, like that. Or if you can't get your ring off, you got real fat, you know, and your ring gets stuck, you put a little dishwashing soap underneath it. And you go, whoa, it comes right off. Or it's slippery like that. I think this is basically the same comparison she's making about the bad economy right now. Rising gas prices. Well, we are in
4: touch. We are not a member of OPEC, as you all know. Uh, We are in regular touch with OPEC, and we have also raised um, issues of supply uh, in meetings that members of our national security team and others have had in recent weeks, as I have confirmed from here. Uh, We, of course, want to address uh, the short-term supply issues. One of those issues, as we know, uh, was uh, related to Hurricane Ida and the impacts in the region, which we took steps to address certainly at the time. Uh, but our view, to, to go back to your original question, is also that well, we need to take steps to address short-term supply issues, we need to also keep our eye on the long-term and the impact of the climate, uh, the crisis that is we are in the middle of, uh, and ensure that we are uh, continuing to encourage the production and rise of renewables and the clean energy industry, which is exactly what the President's uh, proposals would do.
0: Go ahead. Basically, let me explain. They, uh, they don't care that the oil supply and the gas supply in this country is low. They don't care. It's part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. They're fine with this. This is not a problem for them. Because long term, it's all about climate change. It's all about climate change. It's all about climate change, period. That's it. That's it. So you understand then why they are not going to actually do anything about this. They could tomorrow turn... You know know what? We're going to redo the forget me canceling the Keystone XL pipeline on the first day I was in office. We're going to put it back in place. Start drilling an war again. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's get behind natural gas. Let's get behind coal. Let's get behind all this. Nope. Not, not going to do it. No way. They're not going to do it. That's the truth. That's the truth right there for you.
2: Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zeoli Podcast.
0: All right, a couple of other things for you on this Friday afternoon. Uh, the Federales showed up today at two different nursing homes in New Jersey to investigate the nursing home deaths. Over 190. 190- uh, people died at veterans facilities and nursing homes at these two places, and the feds came to investigate, even though, if you remember, Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey last year called it politically motivated. It was just Trump wanting to do an investigation. Well, Trump's no longer president. The person who was the U.S. attorney for the for the district uh, is is no longer. It's now a Biden appointee, and uh, the Justice Department's changed hands, too, and yet they're still going forward with the investigation of the incompetence of the nursing home deaths, including Something I found fascinating in the story about this today which said that the the staff members at nursing homes coordinated with the Murphy administration to not wear PPEs which is amazing to not wear PPEs. So, let me share this with you. Federal investigators from northjersey.com descended on two state-run veterans homes this week as part of the US government's investigation into deficiencies in care at the nursing homes that had one of the highest COVID deaths in the nation. Sources at both homes say investigators from the U.S. Department of Justice interviewed residents and staff at the beginning of the week at the Menlo Park Veterans Home and Wednesday and Thursday at its sister facility in Paramus. And the Attorney General's office confirmed, in fact, that, yes, they were on site at both homes. The Justice Department announced the investigation in October 2020 in a letter sent to Governor Phil Murphy. It was then, at the time, sent by then U.S. Attorney Craig Carponito and Eric Dreband, an assistant attorney general in Washington. Our review of publicly available information gives us cause for concern that the quality of medical care at these nursing homes have been deficient, they wrote. Investigators will look whether there was a systematic violation of the Constitution or federal law at these two long-term care facilities. Our focus will be on the adequacy of medical care for residents generally and during the coronavirus pandemic in particular. They want to know if any of the residents at these nursing homes, if there were violations of the Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act which protects residents of nursing homes and other state run institutions from egregious or flagrant conditions that cause harm. Now, these nursing homes had incredible mismanagement. Just it, I mean it was it was a mess. It was a mess. But these two places had the highest death count. Menlo Park had 103 residents died while Paramus had 89. A nurse's aide also died at each facility from the virus. Now, last October, a spokesman for Murphy called the investigation by the administration of then-President Donald Trump politically motivated. But as they write on NorthJersey.com a year later, the investigation is continuing with Trump gone and a change in administration to President Joe Biden, a Murphy ally. It is also continuing even though two officials who launched it no longer work for the Justice Department. Carpenito, a Trump appointee, stepped down in early January prior to Biden's inauguration. So did DreBand, who's now in the private practice. Similar investigations were dropped, but not this one. They dropped investigations in New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, but not Jersey. So the feds were on, were on site. And this is scary. Now, one staff member said they wanted to share their concerns, but they're intimidated. We don't know what they're looking for, and we don't want to make any mistakes. Another said they hope to meet with the investigators secretly because there are eyes everywhere. Eyes everywhere. Amazing. <clears throat> Inspection, by, they write, Inspection by federal Medicare officials reported by NorthJersey.com found the homes were slow to close common areas. They allowed infected or symptomatic residents to mingle with those who were not ill or who were awaiting test results more than a month into the pandemic. Staff had inadequate personal protective gear and went in and out of rooms among patients who were sick with COVID and those who were asymptomatic or uninfected. So they go in COVID room and room 101 COVID, and then they walk across the hall to room 102, not COVID, and they go back and forth like that. Staff were told at the outset of the pandemic not to wear protective masks because it would scare the residents. With the help of Murphy's office, managers even devised a series of penalties for nurses who used the home supply of masks. Subsequent emails requested by NorthJersey.com over the mask policy were almost completely redacted. You imagine that? The Murphy administration, King Philip the Unaccountable, told these nursing homes, do not wear masks, you will be intimidating people. And, would, and they would penalize nurses who would use the masks. I mean, this is criminal. This is criminal. This directly contributed to people's deaths. You wouldn't wear a, a mask in a nursing home around the most vulnerable people The the absolute most vulnerable people uh, to this virus. And you wouldn't put on masks because you're afraid to intimidate them. So instead you killed them. You don't want to intimidate them. Instead you killed them. What a disgrace. I mean, even the most anti-mask people agree that when you're around the most vulnerable people in the early days of a pandemic, when there's no vaccine, no treatment yet, you, you put on a freaking mask in a nursing home. If you're part of the staff. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? Except if you're Murphy and you don't want to intimidate people, so then and then they'll punish the nurses who put them on. Even though an arm of the Attorney General's office is handling the defense of the Justice Department's probe, another has also been investigating the high death toll as part of a larger probe into New Jersey nursing home deaths during the pandemic. A state grand jury has been impaneled, according to a subpoena obtained by NorthJersey.com. Several family members have already been interviewed by Bergen County and Middlesex County investigators working on behalf of the Attorney General of the United States of America. Wow. Look at that. Bad things are coming to Phil Murphy, I think. Bad things. Let me tell you something else, too. The New York Times today had to issue a correction after it um, had to retract a massive exaggeration of children hospitalized by COVID-19. Massive exaggeration. A correction issued on Thursday by the New York Times notes that the correct number well, first of all, let me tell you what the first number was. They reported, the science reporter, Apurva Mandavali, who was the one, same one who said that anybody who brings up the lab theory is, it's, is a racist. On Wednesday, she said that nearly 900,000 children have been hospitalized with COVID-19 since the pandemic began. 900,000. Now, I don't read the New York Times, but if I did, I'd fall out of my chair and have a heart attack because, my God. But a correction issued on Thursday notes that the correct number is 63,000. So she exaggerated the number of child hospitalizations by 837,000 cases. Less than 500 American children have eventually died from the disease. That exaggeration was included in a report. The exaggeration was included in a report on the debate surrounding whether and how to vaccinate children. This reporter tweeted out in May, someday we will stop talking about the lab leak theory and maybe even admit it's racist roots. But alas, that day is not today. She later deleted the tweet, but not before adding, quote, a theory can have racist roots and still gather reasonable supporters along the way. It doesn't make the roots any less racist or the theory any more convincing, though. Huh? I don't, first of all, why is it, can it? I still can't figure this out. Why is it racist to suggest that a virus got out of a lab, but it's not racist to suggest that some dude walked down to a wet market in China and ate a bat, right? I mean, like some some idiot went down. It's not racist to suggest that the Chinese people eat bats and, and pangolins and all this other kooky stuff and get sick and spread a pandemic, but it's racist to suggest that somebody may have accidentally... Uh, dropped a vial or something and the, and the virus got out. Like, I mean, how is one racist and the other is not? It's just, it's amazing to me. Wouldn't both, it's either both are racist or neither of them are racist. And by the way, neither of them are racist. But somehow the man, it's the thing about the lab leak theory. It always be, it became down to race. I never understood that. I never got that. Because even though I do think it was intentionally released by the Chinese, if most people think it was an accident, I'm in the very small minority on that point. And again, I just think I'm not definitively convinced on it's just my opinion that it was a bioweapon that was testing, they were testing it. Not that they were trying to use it necessarily, but they were testing it. That's what I think happened in May of uh, or excuse me, October of twenty nineteen. But so the idea that they were doing a test or they accidentally it, it fell off the bottom of somebody's shoe and they walked out, that is racist but not racist to suggest that a guy walked over to the wet market and said, give me a bucket of bats and I want corn, corn, uh, cornbread side dish. Bucket of bats. No, the big one, the family one, the fat, the, I, the jump. Thank you. The jumbo. Yes. Jump. Give me a side of pangolin chips, pangolin, the chips. No, no, no. Those are pangolin fries. I want the pangolin chips. Thank you. This bat is way overcooked, sir. Excuse me. I'm sending this back to you. I said medium rare. I want the bat medium rare. I don't care. I don't care. I want it medium. Look, I want to eat how I like it. You eat, listen, you eat the bat how you eat the bat. I want to eat my bat. Medium rare, please. Medium rare. Hey, these pangolin fries are cold. Damn it. Can you please, why is it every time I come here to this freaking wet market, these pangolin fries are cold? What is it with you people? What is it with my fellow people here? So that's not racist, but the lab leak theory is. Okay. Are you, okay, great, great. Glad I understand that. I, I just, that's, that's amazing to me, but okay. Sure. Yeah. Give me the bat fondue. The bat fondue. Yes. And don't stiff me on the celery this time. You did no, you did it last time. You didn't have enough celery in the bag. And we open up the bat fondue and there's no celery in there. And My wife gets very upset, please. So would you please, bat fondue, thank you. And I want the, I want the pangolin flan with the, caramelize the top again. You didn't, ah, forget it. So that's not racist. Okay. All right. But a guy accidentally in a lab, drops a vial, steps on it, maybe breathes it in, maybe gets sick and then spreads it. That's racist. So human error is racist. But ordering bats and eating them is, isn't racist? I guess. Okay. Uh, Last thing I'll leave you with for the day because it's Friday and we all want to get on to our weekend. I just want to mention to you that uh, as the New York Times lied about this and they've lied about a lot of things, they've retracted a lot of things. It's just one more thing about false information, one more thing to think about with false information. So please do that and remember that, keep that in mind as you have a wonderful weekend. But speaking of bats, before I let you go... (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Before I let you go, I gotta, uh, since I invoked bats, I need to play just one more thing for you on this Friday afternoon. If you'll indulge me, please. So today on the floor of the house of representatives, as they often do, there's some very symbolic stuff that happens, right? These are, you know, the house, they like to engage in symbolism every now and then. Why do they do that? I don't know exactly exactly. Um, but they do, and, you know, some days it's nice to hear, and some days it's boring, and most days it's boring, and you just wonder why they keep doing this stuff. But anyway, they were going to give the Nobel Prize, to the Nobel Prize winner, Giorgio Parisi. Giorgio Parisi. Well, the vampiric one, the Speaker of the House of Representative Nancy Pelosi, was very, very honored to be with him as she completely butchered his name today.
1: But what a thrill and what a surprise to be here with G- The Nobel laureate, George Pasini, thank you so much for your words of wisdom, true words of wisdom from a a scientist. Science, science, science. Science. The answer to so many challenges, whether it's climate, COVID, or Um, computing, whatever, Uh, the answer to so much. Sometimes in Congress, they say to us, it's either science or faith. No? That's not a choice. Science is an answer to our prayers, Mm -hmm. and it's an honor to be with you. Congratulations, and thank you for taking the time to share uh, those words of wisdom. (laughs) George Parisi, Uh, we're in the same room with him. Isn't that exciting? Right at
0: the end there, look at you. I, I still remember when she took down Julius Caesar. I don't know if you remember that. That was it. That was quite a moment there. Oh, wait, one more? Okay, one more. I just have to do one more clip for you before I let you go. I know, I'm sorry, but I got to do this for you real fast. Joy Behar, uh, in her wisdom today, how this is not racist, I don't know, but apparently... You know, again, what, what you're allowed to say when you're on the left and get away with is just amazing to me.
1: But how do they get through to people who are like the black audience, for instance, the African-American community who, who has been burnt in the past by the Tuskegee experiment and by things coming out that have harmed them? There's I don't blame that community for being skittish about it. But I say that so many white people have gotten it now. Mm-hmm. You know, the experiment has been done on white people now, although the, the black community um, I have. Read, um read
2: the vaccine hesitancy is lower and the black community is now being vaccinated at a higher rate than any
1: yes, other community good. in the country. Well, you know, I mean, there's so progress. that's, that's oh, look, I, well, you the- I like
0: the black okay. scientists that have worked on this vaccine. Yes, the woman who created. I- so the experiments have been done now on white people on white people now. She's a whack job, isn't she, Joy Behar? She's a whack job. All right, well, thank you for admitting that this was experimental, this whole thing. I'm sure that's going to make a lot of people way more likely to get the vaccine now that they know that it was really just one big, giant experiment, Joy Behar. Thank you, George Parisi. (sighs) Parisi, I got to go. Hey, I need a bucket of bat. I can't wait any longer. Every Friday night, I have to go through this with you. Fucking a bat. Bat, B-A, all right, have a great weekend.
3: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.